Welcome to the conversation. This is the AEC Disruptors Podcast, and I'm your host, Christopher Riddell. I have to ask, do architects really wear black turtlenecks? Do contractors actually build things? Have you ever wondered why architects and contractors don't get along? Are these myths? Are these real? Today's guests, Tyler Campbell and Eddie Campbell, the hosts of the popular podcast Construction Brothers, join me to debunk many of these myths. Together we discuss how we can get along, how we should collaborate, and how do we even move forward. Listen in and see what they had to say. Let's get to it. Our father, who is a contractor, as we were growing up, always told us that architects wear purple pants. So... (laughs) That is what we, I mean, dad said it all growing up. And, and must, dad never lies. And it must be true. It must be true. I have not found it on the internet. And you know what? That actually came out of a golf outing he had with a couple of architects. And one of them actually wore, wore purple pants. Was he playing oh, with like Payne oh. Stewart? Like, like- you know, take a few minutes and really introduce yourself so that everyone knows, you know, who you are, um, you know, you know, talk a little bit about the podcast because I've started listening to what you guys have done and I think that's really cool. It kind of inspired me a little bit as well. Uh, so it would be great to kind of get to know you a bit. Yeah. Why don't you crank up? You always start the show. Welcome to the Construction Brothers podcast. No, well, I'm just kidding. The Construction Brothers. Not yeah, so I mean, this is a mashup, man. <laughs> this is a true mashup we're talking you know awesome. we're gonna like make a look no i'm just kidding but yeah no this is this is it's gonna be fun yeah so i'm tyler campbell this is eddie campbell. this is my brother this is my brother <laughs> my construction brother. I, am, I am eddie campbell and we yeah. are actually brothers we're not just like, oh you really are brothers no we legitimately are brothers yeah. oh i thought that we was don't just look like alike at all no we're, no we're 13 years removed from one another with there is a middle brother um the wait who's oldest I'm I'm the oldest. I'm the bald one coming in. Yeah, I mean, you know, premature baldness is a thing. <laughs> it is. A thing. Fortunately, it was not a thing for me. This just happened in due time. So, <laughs> Dude, I, I, uh, yeah, real brothers. Uh, there really is a middle brother too that has made it on the show once. Yeah. Uh, we work uh, work with our dad. Have I've, I've been with him for the last fifteen years now. Um, I'm going on nine. Tyler, just, he's going on nine and. So we got a little family business, but uh, this Construction Brothers podcast is something we started up to with the talk with cool people. Definitely. Yeah. We've gotten a, man, this has just been an amazing opportunity to talk to people in the industry, out of the industry, and um, just network with people that typically wouldn't give us the time of day, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. And um, right now, our focus is just finding ideas and bringing them to the audience and trying to encourage people as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like there's a lack of encouragement in the industry. I don't know about y'all, but I agree. That's a, that's a big deal. Uh, it's easy to get kind of down on yourself at the end of the day when everybody's been screaming at you um, yep. that you've messed up. And, and we feel that especially because we produce shop drawings mm-hmm. every day, um, which is a very nitpicky and specialized sort of thing. Yeah, um, we're really kind of the end of the food chain there too. Mm-hmm. So we've seen the soft underbelly of the construction industry and um, we're ideas guys. We love, we love having ideas and we love hearing ideas. And 
it's funny how hearing other people's ideas helps you to formulate new thoughts mm-hmm. and yep. keeps your keeps your mind turning over and keeps things kind of fresh and so it's it really is i mean people that i've tried to reach out to in the past have actually come kind of full circle with us and said we kind of have a reason to talk now yeah yeah and uh we love that i mean we get on the phone and there are so many cool people in the industry and we get to have this conversation with them and it's very transparent and it's very honest and it doesn't have an agenda necessarily like i mean we're all here with, you know, the purpose of growing each other. And mm-hmm. yeah, we can be encouraging. Yeah. We can actually like each other too. It doesn't have to be combative, competitive. It doesn't have to be, you know, where we're, we're trying to push back at each other. We're, we're actually working together on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And you know, I, it's funny you mentioned it. Cause I've said before, I, what I liked about the idea is I'm not selling anything. So I could reach out to anyone and say, Hey, I want you to be a part of this. You know, I, there's nothing in it for me other than just, helping push some knowledge out. So it's been an easy thing to reach out to people. And I, now I have a reason, like I would have never met you guys if it wasn't for, there'd be no reason to meet you really. We, yeah. you know, we're in different areas. Like why would we have ever come across each other? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it has been fun. Um, so where, where do people, where can people find you guys? Where do they listen to? Uh, we are on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on basically any, anywhere you want to listen, we are there. Um, you can just look for Construction Brothers or Construction Bros. Um, we're on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. I really like y'all's LinkedIn yeah. company page um, you, for the podcast. That was something even internally. I'm like, hey, I think we should do this. You yeah. know, it's great. Like even the extra articles you push, I saw mm-hmm. some of those just as, you know, it looks like you are actively trying to just get information out. Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm taking it upon myself to kind of curate and Mm -hmm. come up with interesting stuff. And it may not be completely related to the construction industry because let's face it, if we're always talking construction, it gets really dry really fast. Mm -hmm. Like people disconnect from that. So we want to push out content that is going to stay interesting. Um, For instance, Samsung came out with their little robot a couple weeks ago over at CES. Did you see that? It looks like like BB-8 from Star Wars. And it rolls around your house. Ooh, and so like, it up. we're bringing people that sort of news too. Yeah. And so, yeah, just educating everybody as a whole. But um, you could also find us on our website, brospodcast.com. I thought it'd be fun. We'll talk about some myths that we've heard. Maybe we could debunk some of them. Um, I could kick it off with one that I, you know, I think is fun. I want to see if you've heard it. And then we can, uh, you know, kind of carry it from there. So this is a real myth that I found. Okay, I, I kid you not. I looked it up. I wanted to say, okay, what are some myths? Because I've heard some. Like one is dumb contractors. I've heard it a lot. I don't believe in that, but I've heard dumb contractor a whole bunch. <laughs> this is a real one. Let me read this. I want to make sure I get this right. Architects are James Bond cool. <laughs> Anyone ever said that to you before? Because I've ne- never heard that in my life. That no. architects are I mean, James Bond cool. I don't yeah, get James I, Bond cool. I don't get it either. I've been in the architect's offices and uh, I've never been struck by an architect that I'm like, this person is James Bond. James Bond. Cool. They're not like sitting there smoking a cigar with a, no. you know, glass of whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> well, question, question. All right. So you, you work in architecture. Mm-hmm. So to your experience or with your experience, what kind of cars do architects drive? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some cheap cars. 
Okay, but what's what's a cheap car though? Like, are we talking like a? Sub? I'm not saying Prius. Maybe a Honda. <laughs> Prius. Maybe. Because uh, you know that goes like everyone thinks architects are wealthy. We're not. Yeah, I don't. At all. I don't. Not even a little bit. In fact, the first thing you learn in architecture school is you will not make money. <laughs> It's like architecture 101. <laughs> oh it's that old saying, like, if you want to make money and whatever, I mean, you kind of like insert your industry. If you want to make a little money in this industry, start out with a lot. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, I've heard that of steel detailing. I've heard that of architecture. I've That's a of, real thing there. You know, I've heard that of aeronautics side of things. I mean, so, but that, I mean, that doesn't mean that no architects ever uh, gotten wealthy off of the trick because i think that's uh contrary there to are there are rock star architects out there obviously like frank geary and such but like i don't know how much frank geary makes oh, oh no, he's still around right he's yeah I, he's still around, so. <laughs> I think he is okay well i mean yeah he's got a master class and all that so he's probably making bank but now i, I don't know that's never been a thought for me i've, I've never really thought that architects make a ton of money mainly because it's it's more artsy and typically artistic endeavors like that generally aren't that lucrative that's funny because that was actually like one of them is um generally people think that all arch not all a lot of architects are kind of artsy creative mm. kind of fluffy um but what's interesting is how technology is kind of taking that away not away but like if i tried to practice architecture even 10 years ago and i had to draw by hand not happening. Can't do it. But I can model a ton of stuff. I can program, you know, all day. But uh, the technology has made it easier to be less creative and not have that artistic ability than, say, back in the day. So you, your context for that was 10 years ago. Um, I've been in the industry 15 years. Mm -hmm. I've been around the industry longer. Mm -hmm. uh, really, I say in the industry, I, mean, I really probably started in construction more like 20 years ago. Um, just in various levels and maybe as more of a labor or tying rebar, whatever I was doing mm -hmm. uh, for my dad. And so it, it it's not, uh, it's not even been 10 years um, that would really measure the, the distance and time to get back to people drawing by hand. Um, that I've hand drawings is not something I've encountered a whole lot. Uh, even in my career, this yeah. was, I've, I've never done anything but model in 3D mm -hmm. the whole time I've been with the company that we're with and, and that we own. And it's, that's been very prevalent. Now it's been adopted to varying degrees by different people in the industry um, at a different clip. But yeah, I don't know, man, it's the architect's offices that I've been in and the people that I've been around, um, They've, they've been different brands, different breeds. And mm -hmm. I think that's pretty widely known. Um, some people, yeah, they're, they're very expressive in the way they're designing. And maybe they are a little more uh, on the artistic side. But then there are others that are very just practical. They're mm -hmm. very practical architects that um, they're not building, uh, they're not building the Disney concert hall. They're building tilt warehouses. Yep. And Things that we actually use. Data centers. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. So architecture's got a pretty broad scope. But yeah. What we, 
You can say that for any industry though, right? This is myths. That is like the the common and prevailing thought of what an architect does. Mm -hmm. So, well, it's a myth, like the same thing would happen with generations, right? That was one of the things that we first started talking about when we started a show and you go in with the assumption like, okay, each generation has this like certain bit, like they're, they're all kind of this way. That's just not true. Yep. You know, and, and that's going to apply for engineers. That's going to, mm-hmm. that's going to apply for contractors or detailers or plumbers, electricians, everybody's different. Yep. So it's really just those stereotypes, you know, sometimes yeah. the most extreme are the ones that we all think of with anything like the most extreme millennial is what all millennials are like. It's like, no, not all of us. Some of us actually do work hard. Yeah. And take, uh, take people one at a time. Yeah, definitely. Yep. What about, um, the, the concept that contractors don't actually build anything anymore? Yeah. I, I think that is a very prevalent thought. It's kind of true though. And it, well, and that depends on the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, on, it does. But self-performance went away. I, I'm sure we could do a whole history lesson and why we are where we are. Yeah. Um, why CM came to be such a thing and why those contractors are more, uh, they're seen as people that are trying to shed liability, um, yeah. skim money and do as little as possible. Uh, the funny line that we've used around here is, um, it can't be my fault. I, I don't actually do anything. <laughs> um, so every, every time, you know, the contractor is kind of standing in the middle and you're in an argument with somebody in the industry, it's like, all right, well, you know, who's, who's getting the money? Who's, who's taking the bill? Cause I'm just standing here in the middle. And I think that's what creates so much contention. You know, the whole, like, why don't we get along? is if that's sort of the, not the actual thought, but the general thought, then the architect's sitting over here and it's like, well, it's not my fault. Why, you know, why is it I have to pay the bill now? Yeah, um, there, we don't understand each other. I mean, there's a, I, I know we were talking to uh, Clifton Harness, I believe it was in one of our previous yeah. episodes and he was talking about, uh, I believe it was him, he was talking a little bit about developers and how, uh, developers are are making a mint but then this whole conversation sprung out about uh who's taking the risk and liability who's putting mm-hmm. the money up front who's you know actually concocting these deals and you know is the architect getting their due are the architects making as much money as they should be is the developer just running away with all the cash well i mean we don't know um about their hardships maybe those things are a little more prevalent in downtimes uh, we don't we don't know each other very well and i know we feel misunderstood kind of on that bottom end of construction where we work we want to be yeah. helpers and we don't always feel like we're seen as helpers it's not accepted it, uh, we, yeah. we want to create a feedback loop but that feedback loop is not something that's really available because the process and the kind of the hierarchy that's formed mm-hmm. so that we have a consistent paper trail, it stymies that. It stifles yep. that. And so when we want to feedback to a designer, hey, we see a problem. We never know whether that's going to be well received or not. Uh, we feedback to a project manager. We might get yelled at for feeding back on something. Do you think that's, they, are they taking it personal? Or are they, you know, like, is the architect think they're all knowing and there's no way you could be telling me what to do? 
Again, that's person to person. Both, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. you get some pride. There are prideful people out there, and there are very humble people out there. Mm-hmm. There are people that want to work as a team to build a project, and there are those that don't. And so that's what you're feeling out. You know, am I going to send this? Am I going to run this up the flagpole, and it's just going to cost me time, heartache, and money? Or am I running this up to flagpole, and then we're going to build a better building because of it? Mm-hmm. The deal is, is that if we're reacting on the bottom end it's because something in the design has some flaw, some level mm-hmm. of flaw in it. And we're trying to get around that flaw that we see. And particularly when it comes to something that's going to cost like an owner money, there's a lot of gamesmanship that goes on there that we see. Like, you know, does the fabricator really want to surrender any of the money that's in their contract? If we find something that would save, does it go all the way back up the chain? We try to encourage people to do it. You know, if you really care that much about it, tell them how much of a credit they'll get. That's a great point. Cause I mean, I, I know like when I, you know, I was talking to my boss, I was like, Hey, what would be a great topic? And one of the things he was talking about is even just the idea of change orders and how change orders uh, and just the connotation that go with them. And, you know, I think that also leads to why our industry is fairly contentious. Cause to your point, if I actually tell them that, Hey, we could save money by doing this. Am I losing money out? Are they going to be the one that reaps the benefits? Is it going to make it all the way to the owner? You know, is it stop at the contractor and nobody gets to share it? Um, I think those lines of communication, it's tough because I feel like I, as an architect, would learn the most from the person way downstream. Like I would want to know why a detail that I did didn't work, you know? And I would always argue, like when I would do these things, my argument was if I drew a window wrong, like if I did the flashing wrong, right? And then the guy that builds windows for a living has been doing thousands of them every single day. Is he really going to look at my drawing and be like, well, that's not right, but I'm going to do that? Or is he just going to be like, that's not right. I'm going to do what's right and, and not worry about that. If that's really what's going to happen, then why am I even drawing all this? Why can't I just say, this is the size I want. This is the spec I want. I don't want it to leak. Go do what you do. Yeah. Um, liability. Yeah. We talked to Josh Bone about this yeah and i thought he had some really good points um most of which is like we we design for intent Mm -hmm. and just like you're saying you you want to nail the general intent that you desire as a designer yep and then you're content to leave the construction details of that means and methods to the people that know the difficulty is particularly in the time we are living in where we're trying to prefabricate, we're trying to um, modularize, we're trying to get larger chunks, larger building blocks, larger Lego pieces of a building together. Some of that has to be pressed upstream in a feedback loop created so that you as a designer know what that building block is supposed to look like, consist of, and so that you leave room for it. So I think electrical rooms were something that came up. Mm-hmm. But you could think of an electrical room, a bathroom, whatever. I mean, you want it to be code compliant. You want it to meet your aesthetic. Uh, there are certain things that matter to you, certain things that don't. The things that matter to you are the ones that you want to express intent on. But mm-hmm. if there is a building block out there that's a pre-manufactured electrical room for the building that you have, plug that building block in and play with it. Yeah. That would be great. But you need to have the feedback and or the warehousing of that information in order to get it. We have to be able to find it. Well, and I think that's, I think we're really bad about sort of our 
post-mortem of projects. So what happens a lot is, you know, we might change something in construction that never makes its way back really to either the person that designed it one, so they never learned, or two, it never even gets back into the actual documentation in terms of anything that's relevant. So then the next time what happens is, well, I drew the window like this last time and nobody came at me, so I'm gonna draw it like this again, not realizing that later on the project manager coordinates with you all and it's like, this isn't right and they fix it. And so that feedback loop doesn't even for knowledge transfer. And so like, I don't build on my knowledge because it's, well, no one said anything before. What, you know, what's the issue now? How many, Tyler, how many times have we heard from a, a job site trailer meeting that people like to thump their chest, right? And so the first <laughs> thing, what are they doing? Oh, I've been in the industry 30 years, yeah. you know. Then the next guy. Uh, well, I've been in it 40 years. <laughs> I've never seen that before. Yeah, and, yes, and that's it. I've never seen it before. <laughs> and I've never done it that way before. Yeah, and it's like, no. oh, well, you must be all knowing and you must have experienced every scenario in construction oh, almighty for all of history. I, uh, I'm not, obviously, I'm not going to name names, but I was working with an individual that was, uh, you know, say, let's say they were my senior. We'll call him and, <laughs> and I was design. I was, we were drawing something and I, I think it was brick. It was like floating brick, floating brick, you know, something like that. Or no, it was a window. I've never seen a row lock, a window without a row lock in a brick building in a header. I'm like, that doesn't seem right. And so I pulled up like 15 images, like just like that, and be like, well, like that or that or that or that or that. And they're like, I've never done it that way. It's like, well, you, you can't say that because it exists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they use that case. It's, it's not a logical argument. It's an experiential argument that they're using to try to prove a case mm -hmm. and it doesn't hold water. And they're trying to shut it down. They're yeah. trying to shut the argument down. So everybody looks at them like, oh, they are the all knowing one. Or is it also because you know? I'm not going to say we're lazy, but do we always look for path of least resistance? It's like, ah, I've never done it that way. I really don't want to have to figure this out. We, there is a, I think amongst designers that have been in the industry a while and know what they do, mm -hmm. that's got to be a part of it. I, I mean, so. we, we get static for all sorts of reasons. And that's what we've come to figure out is like, we used to just think, I don't know, in my younger days, I might've just thought, well, it just must be a jerk. You know, I didn't really want to assign much of a reason mm -hmm. to it, but there are reasons, you know, one of which might be, you have to expend more time. Yep. You have more um, CA that's involved now. Uh, this creates a liability thing. You have an insurance guy that's telling you don't do things you have yep. there are just all of these different reasons that play into why somebody just says no sometimes i mean mm -hmm. in some cases uh people that are there to administrate a project are just the go-between and they have been trained to say no to everything until they they cannot say no anymore they have to say yes because it's, it's easier company handbooks too. it's in the company's best interest <laughs> to do that and because now I'm not spending more time, therefore I'm not spending more money. We all make more money. It doesn't create an environment where I want to research, I want to grow, I want to change. You know, it's interesting um, because I'm, my boss, um, he had, he's given a presentation, I think tomorrow on collaboration. Um, but what he said was, and, and I was trying to help him with this is, you know, we want to have something that's not what we typically talk about. And I think this could also lead into something I wanted to ask you guys. But one of the things we were talking about is like impediments to collaboration. 
Okay. And I, you know, socialization came up and it's interesting because this kind of goes to what you were just talking about. Like it's in the company handbook. The uh, socialization is something I think we don't think about a lot. And what I mean by that is I do not believe dumb contractor. Like I, I don't believe it. It's not my personality. You know, I, I consider myself more open and knowing and, uh, but I heard it a lot. So I heard it a lot where I used to work um, that, you know, Hey, we have to draw everything because that contractor, they don't know anything they can't do. You know, we got to like lay it out for them. So I don't, I don't believe it. That's what I heard. And then I'll catch myself from time to time, just out of reflex saying, well, you know, that dumb contractor doesn't know what we, what they, we need or what they need. And I catch myself and think, whoa, I don't believe that. Why, you know, why is that coming out? And I think socialization is a huge thing to do with it because you just, you kind of hear it so much, you know, I mean, it's like, I just naturally, it, I, it's the first thing I think about, even though I'm like, wait, I, I don't believe that. I don't know why I said that. Um, and I think it really goes to your point of, hey, it's in the company handbook. We, we, are, we are socialized to say no. And then we can kind of figure out if it's going to work or not. The AEC Disruptors podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and champion innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for the AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. We're very segmented, right? So the segments, I think, will roll into that in a big way because we're all shrouded behind email. I will say, too, that the street goes both ways because the contractor sitting there going, dumb architect. Yep. It, it goes both ways. Um, we've heard that for years, like four years. Oh, yeah. Uh, the perception looking from the bottom up is that we're the trades. Mm -hmm. We know how this goes. We know our thing best. Stupid architect. No. Um, we're looking at, I, I mean, design intent drawings are scrutinized as though they are construction documents. And we get, we get lectured here on whether we call them contract documents <laughs> or construction documents. Yeah, or, I've heard that uh, plenty of times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, yeah, uh, I totally hear what you're saying. The socialization aspect of it, there's a lot of misperception and there's a lot of company culture that creates this kind of hate that we have for each mm -hmm. other, which is amazing. It's almost like we build buildings in spite of each other. We don't build them yeah. together. We build buildings in spite of each other. And if we could ever align, I mean, that's, yeah. that's good leadership, right? Getting alignment amongst a group of people for a common purpose. Mm -hmm. We could get alignment instead of putting ourselves in a position where we are working against one another that's the ultimate goal. And I think we would all sing Kumbaya and say, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. this is exactly what we want. The difficulty is we're in a competitive industry. We're trying to figure out where the money goes and who's responsible for it. Because if something goes wrong, somebody has got to pay. We're trying to figure out what am I going to ask the owner for? When am I going to change order? Is it an honest change order? Are they screwing me? What's going on really behind the scenes? You know, what are they doing here? And there are a lot of opportunists out there 
that have created that. There's, there's bad relationship, bad blood, and bad experience that have fueled us into those spots. It's like policy. Policy comes about because somebody spilled the open cup of coffee on the middle of their desk and you want to react to it and make sure it never happens again. Mm-hmm. So now policy's there and brain goes off and nobody's allowed to think anymore. Mm-hmm. This is what we're breeding in. Um, it's a shame we're there, but I do think on an encouraging side, we're an awful lot of people that don't want to act that way anymore. And uh, yeah. maybe, it's, maybe it's just a new, new blood coming into the industry. It's a, a new mindset. Or we all realize we've got to. We have to. Mm-hmm. We can't stay here anymore. You know, I, it's interesting that you say that we're like building buildings in spite of each other. Because what I wanted to ask, and this is something I never really thought about until I was helping um, prep for this, this interview that he's going to do tomorrow. And... What I was thinking about is we keep talking about collaboration. Like if you ask anyone, do you collaborate? They're going to say, of course we collaborate. You know, of course we do. We have M360. We have all these things. Of yeah, course we collaborate. Yeah. yeah, of course we do. <laughs> My argument. So I looked it up and I found the simplest definition. I'm going to read it here. And it, it was, I thought it was a good one. Collaboration is two or more people working together towards a shared goal. Okay. So two or more people working together towards a shared goal. Sounds pretty lofty. Sounds pretty good. However, I started thinking about something else. If you look up cooperation, okay? So if you look up cooperation, cooperation is to work with other people by achieving one's own goals as part of a common goal. So again, cooperation is to work with other people by achieving your own goal as a part of a common goal. I would argue that in the industry, we don't collaborate, but we cooperate. We're all working towards a common goal. Like, yeah, we need the building to get built. You know, we don't want to get sued. Those are our common goals. But we're doing it as long as we're achieving our own goals. And my question then would be, is cooperation a bad thing? Like, should we just stop saying we collaborate and just say, hey, we cooperate? We, uh, we all are looking out for ourselves, but we're trying to get to a common goal. Or do we need to find a way to actually shift from cooperation to collaboration that starts from leadership doesn't it right we've we've always um we've always said in our business we don't want to be the kind of leaders that you know sit back have you seen the illustration of the the leader sitting up on the rock and making his people pull for him um, versus the leader that's on the ground actually at the front of the rope pulling Mm -hmm. if you have that clear sense of leadership, it's okay if you cooperate, mm-hmm. you know, like cooperation's fine. So if you have that clear vision, I think cooperation, yeah. You mean that collaborate? I, I, no, no, I mean cooperation. Because if that person has that goal and he can get the rest of his people on board. Yeah. And so would we work better together? So like if you yeah. were in the, as the contractor and as the architect, would we actually have a better relationship if we went into it knowing I knew what your personal goals were, you knew what my personal goals were, and we're also trying to achieve this other goal versus just saying we're collaborating, we need to be working together. I think it would work better. Who's leading? 
that's when it gets you know? tough. And see, then exactly. you fall into you fall into it's going to default to contract, right? Like that would be the initial thing. Like right away, I was about to say, oh, it's going to be is it designed? You know, so like even that mentality is bad because I would say. I don't think, I don't know who leads. I mean, I think it has to be a directive from. That's what it is. Who, you know, who leads? I I don't know. Um, Because it's easy for me. So if you all are cool with it, but I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about. We're going to get nowhere. So is it more, we have to educate everyone on that. And then we move into a spot where the people that are pushing these things today, eventually will be leaders in their firms tomorrow do we start there? So do we start using our podcasts and our platforms and stuff to really talk about, you know, we can't, we keep saying we got to collaborate, but are we even answering the right question? And, and, and I'll tell you the reason I even framed it that way to begin with was I was listening to um, Launchpad on business radio, Sirius XM or whatever, the business channel. And there's a guy that was looking to um, talk about living on the moon. And he said, the biggest issue that we run into or what people think is why we can't live on the moon is we can't grow food on the moon. Mm. And so his question was, don't think about it that way. Don't think about how can we grow food? Think about what is food? Food is nutrients and energy. Like what is food? And if you could strip that part out, then it's a little easier for us to solve what the problem is. And so that's why we, I, I took the collaboration cooperation is like, what actually is collaboration? Let's not say, Hey, we can't collaborate. What is it? And it's people working together. Okay. If that's what we're talking about doing, then it's a little easier to start figuring out how we do that. What, let me ask you to expound a little bit. Like, what are you advocating for in that? Like functionally, what are you advocating for? What does a relationship look like between uh, designers, contractors, and their subcontractors? You know, I what you're talking about. I think it's interesting because I got my master's um, over at Georgia Tech, which is almost ten years ago, and it was a it was in construction management, facility management, and it was a focus in IPD, so integrated project delivery. This was ten years ago. And it was like, oh, you know, this is what IPD is. This is what we're going to do. We're going to integrate. We're going to bring everyone to the table, pull contingencies. And here it's 10 years later, and we still don't do that. You know, there's few that even get close. You might have a IPD light. And the, the roadblocks that I always would hear is we have to wait for insurance to catch up. We have to wait for all these things. I do think that philosophy of um, delivering a project would be the ideal state. Having everyone, so like having that steel detailer show up on my very first kickoff meeting. So collaboratively together, we can talk about what the building design is even going to be. Because then you potentially are more engaged because now you're not just deciding, do I want to save some money for me or for them? You're actually invested that I've been here since day one. I really want this roof to look amazing because I'm not just getting it at the very end where there's no, there's no emotion in that set of drawings that I hand you. You know, you're just looking at 2D drawings, a 3D model. There's no emotion there. But if you were able to be involved in the very beginning and you knew that your opinion mattered as much as mine because you were going to help me design it the way it needs to be done and detail it the way it's done, I feel like you then are more passionate about that project. And if we were able to increase the passion of the project, and it's not just an architect, this is my design, or the owner, this is my building. It's really, we, we genuinely sat down on day one together. 
people that typically don't talk together. And we talked about how should we go through this? And you bought in as much as I bought in. We've, we've been in roles where we have been invited to the table early. Um, we still, <laughs> I've, I've sat uh, in an architect's office. Uh, we worked a string of, I'll say notable golf entertainment venues. <laughs> we did 45 of them uh, in the U.S. And we were in the design process. And in the room, the architect looked across the table at me one day and said, I do not want to talk to him in the middle of a meeting in front of 15 people. See, and, and maybe we're solving the wrong problem because I don't know how to fix that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I went on a little bit of a rant in that moment and I tried to bleed my heart and explain to them how much I did care about their project um, and how much uh, I saw our role in it as a cohesive role, mm -hmm. a role of making sure that everybody was doing what they said they were going to do. And we, we occupied um, a very interesting part of those projects. We were given a lot of leash. The deal is that the attitude was still there. And um, IPD on its surface is an awesome thought. But yeah, this theme of leadership that we've got going, um, who's going to lead it? I, I think the leaders will. Leaders, leaders rise up. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think this industry is in a process of finding its leaders, finding its new leaders. I think so. Um, it, like kind of the, we've described it as a renaissance, kind of got this new day dawning that mm -hmm. we know as an industry that we will now build differently. And um, we have to, we have like have external to. things that are forcing us to, you know, I mean, got to. you know, regardless of people's opinion on climate change and I won't go into that, there are things that are externally forcing us to, to think different. Yeah. Um, you know, there's one more thing that I'd like to mention and uh, I'd like to get your thoughts and, it kind of goes to, are we solving the right problem? So we said, hey, what's the best way to collaborate? I thought of this the other day too. And I think it's really, it comes down to personality and really understanding how to work together with just a, with a different person. Because when you think, like if you mapped out, if you wrote down the typical characteristics of a contractor and the typical characteristics of an architect, chances are they're, they're extremely different just as a person. They have different motivations. They have different thoughts. They're not, you know, they're motivated to do, you know, different, whatever it is. Um, until we understand how to, you know, I believe we're a society that we can't even disagree anymore. We can't have healthy debates without everybody getting really upset or all in their feelings. So everybody just kind of, you know, keeps to themselves. Until we can figure out how to work with a person that's different than us. I mean, it seems so simple. I don't think we're going to get to true collaboration. I need to really be able to totally understand you as a person. You know, you took a personality test and I get you. I know your motivations. I know where you're coming from and you understand those of mine. I think that's how we'll get to true collaboration. I only think that happens as we push this new group of leaders upwards. Yeah, I read, I read an article recently where a uh, project team actually went away with each other. Like it was a joint venture type project between multiple people, an, an IPD type of situation. They went away. And it, it was like they, they made a conscientious effort to spend time with each other on a very human level mm -hmm. before they got engaged in this project. So they knew each other. 
because they knew that relationally they had to function well together. I think it's important. I mean, my, my wife's company, it, it, you know, it's a little different, but before every single meeting they do, um, what's your good news? And if they go around the table and say, Hey, you know, what's your good news? And it may be, we're having a baby or, you know, it was my birthday yesterday, you know, whatever it is, but it sort of kind of first, it sort of set everyone easy. It's the beginning of the meeting, but it really sort of added that personal touch. So it's like, Hey, any animosity, let's just drop that for a second. What's great that's going on in your life. Maybe even those things that we can start to build better teams could help in collaboration. That's yeah. I mean, the soft skills, uh, episode that we did with Brent Darnell was a great one and interesting how, people responded to it. Uh, people are very interested in this right now. Um, I mean, that's, that was one of the most engaging conversations we've had. Yeah. Yeah. You need to have him on just for the record. Get Brent. Yeah. You'll have to get me in contact with him. We can. Um, I don't know, man. It always, it always swirls back to the people that are involved. Yeah. Like we can talk higher level systems all mm -hmm. day long. We could talk about, you know, IPD, but I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about, <clears throat> I'm sitting here thinking about a project meeting that I was involved with last week. We were having a BIM coordination meeting on a, on a project that I'm working on. And um, the architect was there and everybody. And I sat there, I had literally two minutes where I said, yes, I can get you an IFC file. And then I sat for an hour and 30. So I think Part of it is we're wasting each other's time. Mm -hmm. And that kind of builds in that, uh, that animosity. Because, yeah, I mean, these people, the, the, the BIM coordinators and all, and I've kind of got a beef with BIM coordinators, if I'm honest. Yeah, ironic. But I, I, yeah, I dislike the them. Yep. Um, <laughs> not, not as human beings. But <laughs> as, as a role as entirely. As a role in general, because, I mean, I wasted an hour and 30 minutes where I could be working on your project. Mm -hmm. I could be getting something done for you. Yeah, the, the agenda is I'm going to get all these 3D models and I'm going to mash them up. And do clash detection. We're clash, do detection. clash detection. And be good job. I'm on <laughs> yeah. oh, good nine. But what are you doing? And most people there are the same. And then yeah, I've had countless hours wasted where I'll be able to sit on me. And correct me if I'm wrong. Gonna, this is a repetitive meeting. Yeah, this is going to happen every week. <laughs> now you're looking at 90 minutes of wasted time per week per and week. and you are already mad about it so you're going to go into that meeting yes. no matter what it's about with i'm the, already the mad as a hornet you know like mm -hmm. no wonder we don't get along i'm following all your guys's stuff because yeah. you know i really like what you're doing um mm -hmm. and let's just keep collaborating yeah uh, because i think you know i think we have a similar mission or a similar sort of thing we're trying to do there's anything a, we can learn from each other would be huge yeah, I mean, so I feel like uh, taking some of the combativeness out of like the territory wars and anything like that that could mm -hmm. really happen by just being friends first and then creators second, that really matters. Yeah, um, that's been great, great to see. Like the other people that have broadcast, you're sitting there going, Camaraderie. oh man, I don't know how the, this is going to come off. I mean, we're actually competing against other. We're not competing against the, uh, each other. I mean, we're, we're all can, preaching the same message. Yeah. We're just all trying to move the needle. So if exactly. we like gang up and actually yeah. do this together, well, then that feels we like a lot more inertia. Yeah. Cross pollination is really good because that helps everybody grow a lot faster too, because we're able to dip into your network. You're able to mm -hmm. dip into our network by us sharing you out. 
Yep. And um, it just helps everything sprout up a little bit quicker, which is awesome. And so, if we truly want to fix what we talked about, because um, I mean, we do. I, this is how, because yeah. if I can now say, look, I, I work with these guys, you know, I mean, so, oh man, I mean, it's good stuff. Yeah. Oh, well guys, I appreciate it. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but yeah. this has been, this has been a fun, fun one. So. Yeah.